Bonjour, hello, and happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Aqua and Orange Show. I'm Justin Heyer here with Nick Bellotto, and this is your one-stop podcast for everything Miami Dolphins. We are here into our third ever episode. Super excited to jump into all of the Miami Dolphins news and nuggets that we're hearing from the NFL Combine, which just started this week. All sorts of contract situations, all sorts of things from Mike McDaniel's killer press conference, from Chris Greer's press uh, press conference, and speaking with the media. And so we have a lot to jump into. But first, as always, we've got our trivia question. And this week, Nick, it's your turn. You stumped me on the last one. What do you got for me this week? I'm going to keep it in the same uh, genre, which is history, because that is my forte. And I also forgot that I was in charge of trivia until like two minutes before the show started. So I had to come up with something quick and on the fly. Justin, what was the first state in the union? Oh, boy. I feel what like that's something the first that I should know. In the union. Another one that I feel like I probably learned in your AP US history class seven, eight years ago. Six was it really ago. that long ago? Oh, my God. Six years, six years ago, yeah. Still yeah. long. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna, go, I'm gonna go with the flyer. My little brother definitely knows this, uh, but um, it's like a history fiend. I, I'm gonna go with Massachusetts. So, all right, at least you picked one of the 13 OG colonies. Okay, was, all right, it was a safe bet. It was, a <laughs> it, safe was bet. it was a good guess, um, but no, it is not Massachusetts. Do you want another guess? Something tells me you're not going to get. No, it. I don't. I don't want to make a mistake. No, just tell okay. me the answer. So, Delaware was the first state oh, in the union. I never would have gone there. Yep, I never would have gone there. They were the first to ratify the Constitution. Interesting. Okay, I never, never, never would have guessed. I feel like Delaware is not really the answer to like any trivia question outside of like where is every business incorporated in the United States. Delaware. And and most people that. most people will default to like a Virginia or a New York. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are actually two states that took a very long time to ratify the Constitution. They were one of the last ones, which you should remember because we specifically talked about that in class. I uh, see. I'm sorry. This is, this is six years ago. Could you hear my brother's dog barking? I feel like yes. it's okay. It's got to yes, be another dog walking across the street. I'm sure he's at some point. I'm going to bring him onto the show. This is the cutest dog in the world. I know you're probably not going to agree because you have some bias of your own, but cutest dog in the world. His name is at some point he will make his podcast debut. We'll work in a dog show in the next episode because I can show you mine. We'll we'll have whoever watches uh, give us their opinions. We could do dog show and tell. I'm sure uh, anyone. I'm sure all of the viewers probably appreciate that more. Than our football, than our football, football. <laughs> input anyway. So we'll we'll work that in, guys. Don't worry. Let's do it. Um, so anyway, we're uh, we're streaming live to Twitter and to YouTube. Definitely feel free to interact with us on there uh, during or after the show if you got any questions. And uh, we will dive right into some Miami Dolphins now. Let's move into Xavier Howard. Uh, that was some of the news, the big news of yesterday for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Daniel Oyafusi of the Miami Herald reported. I uh, was um, quoting from Chris Greer. Chris Greer actually gave a very candid media appearance, something we haven't seen from Loved the Dolphins it. 
in a number of years. We went full into a, a number of different scenarios into Miami's interest in Sean Payton, which we'll get to in just a little bit, talking about Emmanuel Ogba and Mike, uh, Mike Kosicki, which we'll talk about in a little bit, talking about Tua, which we'll get into in a little bit. But we're going to start with Xavier Howard. Chris Greer at the Combine uh, on talks, he was talking about the Xavier Howard contract situation last season. We got some clarity into that because all we knew from last season is Xavier Howard wasn't happy. They reworked some things, and then we're going to get into it more in the future. So Chris Greer was quoted as saying, we'll play through the season, get us to the third year of the deal, and then we'll look at it and talk about it. Just to be truthful to him and do it, that's the right thing to do. If he wants to come back and play on that deal, we would, but I know that's not the case. So clearly, Chris Greer was saying, Xavier Howard, they went to him, they said, listen, we'll do this little rework for one year, and then we'll, we'll make it right. We'll make you happy going into the next year. And so talking about how the conversations are going now, Greer said, we're going to have conversations and see if we can come to some sort of resolution. My anticipation is that Zavian will be here next year. Nick, what do you make of this entire situation, what the Dolphins have to do to keep Zavian happy, and whether or not you think that's going to happen? Well, I mean, what, I love the fact that Chris Greer is recognizing who the best player on the team is. And doing what, at least on the surface, in front of the media, saying what needs to be said to make him happy. Um, I, I've been saying for a while, I think I think X needs to consistently be resign him. He's the best player on the team, and I think it's a pretty dro- big drop-off from there. Um, although I think Waddle could be in conversation next year, depending on how, th- how he progresses um, and how he's using this new offense. But he, he's the best player on this team, and he – he needs to be paid like he's the best player on this team. And we brought in other players who, uh, you know, and there are other free agents on the team that might get a lot of money this year. And I think it's fair for Xavier to say, hey, don't forget about me. I mean, his numbers are incredible. Um, and, like, if he continues, even even if he doesn't continue at the crazy pace that he's gotten interceptions in the past few seasons, he, he's going to have stats that are comparable to Hall of Fame cornerbacks. He's already trending in that direction. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to be a Hall of Famer because he's playing on teams that, are not as noticed as other teams, um, which is, I think, one of the reasons Zach Thomas continues to elude the Hall of Fame. But I think his numbers are trending in that direction. And if you've got that kind of talent, we've seen what happens. If you don't re-sign them, they they go off and they do great things elsewhere. So might as well keep him in-house if you want to if you want to keep this defense running. The best player on the team, just as you said it. And the the defense in particular for the Dolphins has the talent in several places, especially if the Dolphins could resign Aguilar, bring in another pass rusher to be a top 10 defense, right? You have one of the best young safeties in the NFL. You have a budding pass rusher. You have Jerome Baker, who was playing some of the best football of his career last year, especially towards the end of the year. And so you got to keep this defense intact. got to keep the best player on the team. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot though, because Xavier Howard, when he signed his deal, signed as the top highest paid corner in the NFL. He's now seventh behind someone on his own team in Byron Jones, which was a point of contention last year, but significantly who's less good. But significantly far behind the rest of the pack. Jalen Ramsey maxed out the market at 20 million a year. And so you're thinking that Sabian Howard, who is coming off of an excellent year, especially over the second half of the season, the year before that, he was the best corner in football. He's probably going to want to max out the market, which means the Dolphins are going to be committing a lot to a player who is just about to hit the age 
that corners typically drop off. That's not to say they shouldn't do it. You keep the best player on the team if 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 you can. And so he's going into his age 29 season. My guess is they're going to have to probably hit right about that Jalen Ramsey mark in order to keep him happy. I'm just not sure Chris Greer is going to do it is, is, is the thing. Um, hopefully the team sees the value in him. It sounds like from the way that Greer was uh, talking um, in this press conference that he's pretty confident it's going to happen. Uh, so my guess, though, is that they're probably going to have to meet somewhere in the middle, probably a lot more guaranteed money, because right now Xavier Howard is three years left on his deal, and it's 13 million, 11 and a half, and 11 and a half in base salary over those over those next three years. So probably pushing that way up and guaranteeing a significant portion is my guess as to how they get there. Yeah, uh, I, and I to the point that you were making about, I don't know if Chris Greer is going to do it. I think it would be a mistake for him to not do this um, because the other corners on the, on the defense are good, not great. And sometimes not even good. Um, you know, uh, Nick Needham is a, ne- a nice uh, nickel corner for you. Byron Jones, I don't think has even come close to living up to that contract. Now I think he is another one of those players that uh, never had a chance to live up to that contract. As many big signings do, they never, they don't say a chance to live up to those dollars. Um so, uh, you know, and X has, right? The dollars that he signed, he's lived up to it, right? He's one of the top five corners in the league. Um, he deserves to get paid like he's one of the top five corners in the league. I, I think it would be a mistake to let him go. If I'm being honest, I'd rather make sure that X is in the building next year than like a Mike Gesicki. And I know that might not be the most, uh, you know, popular opinion out there, but I think he brings more to the team than Gesicki did. I think it's easier to replace Gasicki than it is X. So I think you got to do what you got to do to keep him. It's one of the hardest positions to replace on a team when you lose a star like that. It's funny because everyone's looking at Emmanuel Agba and Mike Gasicki as the two names to watch out for. Are they going to be on the team? Aren't they going to be on the team? Xavier Howard's not a pending free agent, but it's essentially the same situation where the Dolphins have to make him happy to keep him on the team, even though he's not technically a free agent. Otherwise, you never know. New regime, Xavier Howard might say, okay, I'm out. Send me somewhere that's going to pay me. So that is the top name on the priority list for the Dolphins. And then we get to guys like Emmanuel Agba and Mike Gusecki. It's it's interesting. Greer didn't sound overly confident about either of these guys being back. So this is from uh, Marcel-Louis Jacques of, um, of ESPN said... Uh, this is uh, quoting from his tweet. Greer said both Agba and Gusecki have expressed their desire to remain with the Dolphins... But both players also want to evaluate their options in free agency after not coming to an agreement in season. To me, that sounds like, barring a franchise tag move, both of these guys are going to be waiting until that March 14th uh, opening window of the legal tampering period before they make any decisions. And to be totally honest, given that the Dolphins in recent years haven't uh, opened up the checkbook, so to speak, to keep around their best guys, in, in a lot of situations, I'm not so sure that the Dolphins are going to be able to keep themselves from getting outbid from teams that want to pony up for Ogba, who plays a premium position, and Gusecki, who, with the right quarterback, can probably be one of the top five tight ends, pass-catching tight ends, at least, in the NFL in terms of his talent. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I thought I saw something as well that it seemed that Greer indicated that he had had more conversations with the Ogba camp than he did the 
the Gesicki camp, which I think is good because I think Agba is the bigger priority. Um, yeah, if, if they want to test, yeah, if and I think he's he's a quality player at a premium position, and it showed that he's he's good at everything. Uh, good against the run, good against the pass, even when he's kind of. Uh, eliminated from a play, he knows when to get his hands up and combat balls down. So he's he's really developed into a great all round player. Um, you know, I, I it, it would be a shame to see both of them walk. Uh, I think that if I had to make a prediction as to which one comes back, I do think it would be Agba because I think the money makes sense there. Where Gasicki, he especially considering the schemes that are going to be run and the blocking you might need out of your tight end group. Um, Gasicki doesn't make as much sense keeping him. Now, I'm not saying I don't want to keep him if we can get him at a good price, um, but I, I I would much rather see Chris Greer, like you said, open that checkbook and make sure that Ogba's in Miami for the next couple of years. Now, I know he's getting older too, so this is probably his last big contract he's probably going to get, so he's probably going to want to test the market and get as much money as possible, but I really think the Dolphins should make a competitive offer, and even if it's a couple million you know, long-term off, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Agba stays, if, if it's not a big discrepancy from what somebody else out there is offering. But I want to say that with a caveat, bringing back either of these two and, and outside of re-signing X, the free agent decisions that this team makes, if they play themselves out of one of the top offensive line free agents, then we got a problem. Like that needs to be more of a priority then I think, again, Gesicki for sure, and it needs to be right up there with re-signing Agba. Absolutely. The offensive line through free agency needs to be – that needs to be how the team attacks that position. There's been enough swings and too many misses in the draft. It's all about now making sure you have established players because the offensive line needs to be fixed. It needs to be fixed now. With regards to Agba's extension, to me, the template here is Matt Judon. Matt Judon, before he signed with the Patriots last year, was pretty much – almost to the month, the exact same day, uh, the exact same age that Emmanuel Agua is going into this deal. And his stats were nearly identical coming out of Baltimore. And so this is the perfect template, in my opinion. It was a four-year, $54 million deal with a healthy chunk guaranteed, but at a reasonable 13.6-ish average that put Judon right around that top 20 mark in terms of pass rushers and uh, salary rankings. And so I think that's the perfect template here for Manuel Agua. Agua is not this 18, 19 sack a year guy, but he is absolutely stout against the run. Like you said, bats down a lot of passes and applies a lot of pressure, even though he doesn't always finish the play with a sack. And so he's coming up right there with the nine, 10 sack seasons at a pretty regular rate while he's been with Miami. And so to me, that says, Okay, pay him in that right top 20 mark if someone starts outbidding you and they're trying to give him Bud Dupree, Shaq Barrett type money at 16, 17 million, then I think Dolphins might have to reevaluate what they're doing there. But I'm not so sure Ogba's going to command that kind of market, even though he's a very quality player, a leader in the locker room, and the salary cap has gone up. I think that Matt Judon template is right about where I'd go. And with Mike Gusecki, the franchise tag just makes too much sense to me. I'm not really sure why Miami isn't uh, hasn't done it already. The franchise tag window is open. Maybe they're still hoping they can get a long-term deal done with him. But the franchise tag for tight ends is less than $11 million. 
And I have a feeling Gusecki is going to max out at a lot more than that on the open market, given his athletic profile, given the production that he's had, given that he's been an ascending player every year he's in the NFL at a position that's becoming more and more used. I mean, that that Hunter Henry mark at 12 and a half million, I think Gusecki might exceed that. There are reports that Browns are willing to pay David Njoku, who has far less production than Mike Gusecki, up to 10 million a year to keep him around. Right. Gusecki's going to leapfrog that by leaps and bounds. So I'm not so sure he's going to necessarily hit like George Kittle money at 15 million, but I think it's going to be more than the franchise tag. So that seems to be the right path for me uh, with Mike Gusecki. Yeah, I think that's a good idea because um, that way you can you can give him a chance to see if he will work in Mike McDaniel's system. And listen, I mean, Mike, you know, the Niners have had a great uh, have developed good tight end over the last few years, right? And George Kittle, and oh, potentially yeah. that oh, yeah. you could see that with uh, with Gasicki, um, it's totally on the table. But you don't know when it comes to the blocking stuff how many times he'll be on the field. You need you also need him to develop into a better blocker, and I think that's a, a fair criticism of his game. So I think a, a franchise tag makes a whole lot of sense because you keep him for a year, you see if he can work in the system, and if he can't, you're not you're not hamstrung down the road. You can move on from him after a year. I think that would be a, a smart play. Again, as long as we're not ignoring the offensive line, like that needs right. to be it needs to be priority one. And then 1A is X, uh, making sure that line gets fixed. 100%. Obviously, the tight end is super important, has been super important in Mike McDaniel's scheme. The blocking point is interesting. The Dolphins haven't really ever asked Mike Gusecki to block, at least not recently. Now, you can say that that's because they don't believe right. Why? Why? at it. They've pretty much been lining him as a wideout. There were rumblings that there was a potential Gusecki, if they tagged him, would potentially argue that maybe he should have been tagged as a wideout price. I have absolutely no idea. I don't think any of us could know at the moment exactly how that would go in terms of the negotiations and in terms of uh, how exactly that would be calculated. But presuming they could tag him at the tight end price of less than a million dollars or right around the $11 million mark, that seems to make the most sense to me. You keep Ogba around, you keep Kaseki around. If I were to place, if I were to place a guess as of this moment, I would say Miami probably keeps one of the two. And if I were to place a guess as to which one that is, I'd say it's probably Emmanuel Agba. But I think the door is still firmly open for the potential on either one. So that was just the free agency piece of Chris Gray's press conference. But it was it was as candid as candid could be in several ways. The other two that were not free agency related had to do with some big off-season news all around the NFL. First with Sean Payton. Sean Payton obviously retired from the New Orleans Saints, but very much kept the door widely ajar, saying that coaching could potentially be in his future. A lot of people think he'll take a one- to two-year sabbatical in TV, then maybe come back, depending on how much he likes TV. Still unsure as to where he lands. There's been rumors about Fox Sports. There's been rumors about Amazon, ESPN, the whole, the whole bit. But... Potentially, he was still interested in coaching. And so Chris Greer openly said, following up on a Pro Football Talk report, that Miami had expressed interest in Sean Payton as a head coach and Tom Brady as a part owner. This is, again, from Marcel Louis-Jacques of ESPN. Chris Greer said the Dolphins reached out to the Saints to gauge Sean Payton's availability, but New Orleans blocked any possible move for the now-retired coach. Greer then said he had no conversations about Tom Brady. 
Sean Payton, almost a dolphin. Nick, your thoughts on that? I mean, that would have been really cool. I mean, the Super Bowl winning coach who has experience, has experience developing quarterbacks and getting what looks like the best out of his quarterbacks and guys like Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. Yeah, that would have been cool. Like across the board, I think that would have been awesome. So, uh, listen, there's a lot, probably a lot of reasons and probably some things that were, uh, that came up that made it really hard to get a deal like that done. Not just the Saints denying it, but other things as well. At least that's what a lot of insinuation is. And we're not going to get into that kind of stuff because that's not what we're doing today. But it 100% would have been cool. Now, the whole Tom Brady thing as an owner, I mean, why not? I mean, if he wants to buy a chunk of the team, okay, there's nothing wrong with that. That brings notoriety that might make the Dolphins get an extra game or two on primetime television, which I'm not necessarily opposed to. Not only that changes the leadership structure of anything, but, um, I, you know, I think the Sean Payton thing, that would have been cool if it played out. And I agree with saying he had no conversation about Brady. Honestly, makes a lot of sense. I'm not really sure why the general manager would be involved in those conversations. Yep. Anyway, I mean, maybe like peripherally, but I mean, the initial report by Pro Football Talk had said, this was several weeks ago, that if and when Bruce Beal, who is currently next in line to take over the Dolphins, uh, whenever Stephen Ross no longer owns the team, whenever that would be, uh, that Bruce Beal would potentially bring Brady in. I don't know why Chris Greer would be involved in that anyway. So for him to say he had no conversations about that honestly makes sense. And whether or not those conversations were had at all, uh, honestly, we'll probably never know. Um, sure. But it is an interesting thought, Tom Brady. There's been rumblings that uh, he would be interested in being a part owner of a team at some point, And for that to be Miami when he spends a significant amount of his time in South Florida, I guess makes some sense. Uh, sure it is. My, my guess is that Brady's off doing whatever he feels like doing at the moment and that he probably wouldn't fully engage in those kinds of conversations until he was 1000% certain he was never playing again anyway. Um, so my guess is it'll be a while before we hear more on that particular topic. In terms of the Sean Payton news, I just want to point out one thing. For all the people who are saying that Chris Greer should not have said something like that or that it's a bad look for the team because now it is an undermine Mike McDaniel, please, please. Just please. do you think Mike McDaniel is sitting there saying, oh, my God, the Dolphins went after a surefire Hall of Fame coach. And so now I feel bad that I was the second choice to the surefire Hall of Fame coach. No, no, no. no. For that reason also, alone, but also for the reason, like, has anyone at all watched any of Mike McDaniel's press conferences? I, I promise you, I, I, I could promise you, I don't know Mike McDaniel personally, but I promise you. And, and, does not care. and on another level, too, like he got the job. So who cares? Right. Who cares? He got the job. That's all that matters. Whether you were the third, fourth, fifth, 17th, 18th choice, you got the job. Now your you got a now. chance. Go prove it. Yeah, it's your team. Who cares? It's your team now. And I know we have another Chris Beard tidbit to get into uh, in a second. But let's let's just pause on on the whole Mike McDaniel press conference thing. It's just the best entertainment ever. I, I don't. So I don't know. Different. I don't know if you saw this particular this particular moment in this press conference, but Mike McDaniel went on the Rich Eisen show a couple of days ago, earlier this week, and Rich Eisen joked about can Mike McDaniel fit a bunch of head coaching cliches into his press conference in like in, in consecutive order and like as a bet. And Mike McDaniel said, "Rich, if, and I'm paraphrasing, if you're going to be there in Indianapolis." And you're going to come high-five me after I get it done? I'll do it. And so Rich Eisen 
obviously very prominent NFL network, the voice face of football in many ways in Indianapolis, front and center at Mike McDaniel's press conference. I think it was just a couple rows back. Mike McDaniel gets a question. And if you haven't seen this, go watch it. Mike McDaniel gets a question about Xavier Howard, and he pounces on this moment to say, to fit all the head coaching cliches into one like sentence. The, the cliches were, I can only I could only talk about the guys who are here. I don't have a crystal ball. It is what it is. And you could tell how stoked it. Rich Eisen comes running up the stage, high fives Mike McDaniel. He's like all hyped about it. We have not seen this kind of just like authenticity in terms of personality in a Dolphins yep. head coach, in almost any head coach around the NFL ever, or in a very, very, very long time. And it's been again, like has no bearing on the games, but it's fun. It's, it's yeah. fun. It's fun to watch. It, I haven't seen a coach this like who has this much fun doing interviews and stuff since. Uh, and is that funny and enjoyable since honestly Rex Ryan? It's been that long. And like when he used to come in and what the the wig dresses yeah. his brother kind of thing. Like people don't do that anymore. And we and us like our Dolphins coaches have been what Philbin, Gase, and Flores, and they're not the most fun human beings out there. At least in front of the cameras, they're not. He's unabashedly him. He's authentically right. him. He had an interview also at the Combine with uh, Chris Sims and, and Florio uh, over at NBC and was talking about the, the most important piece of advice he took from watching Kyle Shanahan was just to be himself with the players, with the media, with everyone. Just be himself. And that's what that's how people are going to gravitate towards you. And again, no bearing on the X's and O's. And I guess technically no bearing on, on the football, unless you consider the fact that people are going to like playing for a guy who's himself. And right. that's a great way to keep players around and relationships matter. Even in football relationships matter. And so to have a guy like that, I think does make a little bit of a difference uh, in all aspects of, of running the team. He also talked a lot about Tua, Mike McDaniel did. And so let's move on to that real quick. Uh, Chris Greer, uh, moving from McDaniel now to Chris Greer. This is from Cam Wolf of uh, this is from Cam Wolf here of NFL Network. Dolphins GM Chris Greer says the door is shut on Deshaun. He says that is definitive. They believe in Tua's development going into year three. Door is shut. Now, have we seen teams say things and then do other things? Yes, but the Dolphins have wavered and waffled and seesawed and all those words on this particular topic for a year. Now they're saying it's shut. To me, that says something. That says something. Yeah, I um, – if it if – it, plays out to be true and i agree with you you know it could it could be that could be gm speak that we're just kind of navigating through but it sounds to me like it's over and thank god because it was there's no way and i mean i think even tua alluded to it there's no way that that didn't weigh on him during the season and weigh on the team during the season this idea of just oh we might just dump this guy and go get another guy like how that's that's an unfair pressure to constantly just hang over somebody's head, especially a young quarterback who you haven't necessarily put in the best position to succeed, right? You can't. I mean, it's not it's not totally fair to him. So I'm thrilled that the door might be shut, or that it is, according to Chris Greer, shut because we can just move on and give to a a chance to really thrive without having to feel that kind of unnecessary pressure because it's unnecessary. It, it makes a difference uh, in, in – and you, you, there, you could say that 
players need to block out the noise and that they need to just focus on what they want to focus on, but they're humans. And when these kind of like, just think about if you at your job are constantly being told that you might be replaced, that they don't really want you, that they like someone else better, you probably wouldn't perform the same way. And just because this person is a professional athlete doesn't mean that they don't have those same human characteristics. And Mike McDaniel said in uh, in the interview with Good Morning Football, he's doing a real press circuit here, Mike McDaniel at the combine. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, with Peter Schrager of Good Morning Football, awesome interview. Uh, check it out if you can find it. Um, you can tell this is Mike McDaniel. You can tell that it's empowering to have people that believe in him and mean to him. I think it's important that you empower the quarterback. It's just it's a complete and total 180. It's a complete and total contrast from how Tua has thus far been talked about and I guess treated by the Dolphins organization in some way. It's full-on commitment. It's full-on empowerment. This is our guy. We're going to tailor this team around him, the offense around him. We're going to make it work with Tua, and we're going to tell him that he's the guy, and we're going to tell everyone that he's the guy. Again, think about yourself at work. If that's how your bosses were talking about you, you probably feel a lot better about coming to work every day, and again, you'd probably perform better. Yeah, you just need, sometimes kids just need a little support. You know, uh, I'm a teacher and that's it's same to young people, right? They sometimes just need a little bit of support and to know that somebody's got their back and will help them get through whatever speed bumps that they might come into. And, I, you know, Brian Flores, as and I still think he was a good coach for us, as good as he was, he didn't seem like he could help navigate those speed bumps. Um, and it was either you perform or you're out. And that's a very Bill Belichickian way of kind of looking at things but that's not the world we live in anymore that that's idea of sit down and shut up and you know block out the noise that's not that's not the universe we inhabit anymore that's not what people do anymore so give the kid a chance give the kid a chance show your support and listen if he doesn't develop that's fine you move on but at least give him a chance I think something you said there is so important because a lot of people when these kind of topics come up say something to the effect of Why are we coddling these players? It's football. Football is all about hard-nosed, in-your-face, aggressive, get at it, and or get out. But we've heard some of the most successful coaches in today's game talk about this. That's not how it works anymore. That's not how these guys are coming in. That's not how they perform best. That's not what they expect. And that's not how you get the most out of them. They're different players and different people, and it's a different age. Right. And – adapter get left behind and it seems like mike mcdaniel recognizes that and set and sees that you listen you got to tailor some of your teaching methods some of your teaching style you as a teacher i'm sure know this to the people who you're teaching 100 you can't just say everyone has to learn it my way or get out because then you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of good talent you're gonna lose a yep. lot of good talent that way because in today's day and age it's a lot more about trying to maximize each individual in their individual way. And the best coaches and the best teachers are going to find the way to do that. that that's just, that's my two cents. Could, couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. So let's, let's jump into our Q&A. We've got some awesome yeah. questions here. Appreciate you guys on Twitter. If you have any questions for us, you want us to shout you out and talk about you on the show, answer your question, make sure you're following us on Twitter. I'm at Hire Justin. Nick is at OSO6446. Still on that crusade to get it to change the handle one day at a time. We'll we'll, we'll hopefully get That's there. Right. But make sure to follow us on Twitter so that you can ask us questions. We always uh, 
put up a post before our shows. You can comment your questions and link be shouted. Our first one is from Kyle Sondland. Kyle Sondland, by the way, giving a quick shout out, has a phenomenal podcast. If you're interested in cryptocurrencies and that whole kind of thing, the security token market, excellent podcast. We're not sponsored by them, but I just have to give them a shout out because I know the podcast. I know Kyle and his group over there do awesome work. So make sure you give them a follow, give them a listen. Um, you definitely won't regret it if you're into that kind of thing. Kyle comes on and he asks us, what would it take to trade for Devontae Parker? Nick? So wait, what's, what's the question asking? What is it? Like what, what, so would, what we... would a team have to pony up if they wanted Devontae Parker? Oh, so somebody else trying to get Devontae from us. Yes. Um, I think, sorry, I, I don't know why I like misunderstood the question. Um, honestly, if somebody were to offer me a third round pick, I'd probably take it. You and think, I think, you think, you I think that it. might be high. Yeah, I was going to say. I think, I think I like that it. might be really high. That's why if I saw a third round pick, someone wants that, I, I wouldn't even question it. I would, I would jump on it because I think that's high. Um, I think it's more likely going to be somewhere in that five range. Um, listen, uh, and I've always liked Devonte Parker. I've always thought he was super talented, but the kid can't, the guy can't stay healthy and it's not once it's not twice. It's every single season. He misses something like five games minimally. And you know what? That's just not helping your quarterback development. If you can go out and get like a fifth round, if you, if someone offers you a third round pick, you don't even it, just take it, just shut up and take it. Don't think about it. Um, and if it's, if it's in the five row, I mean, I think you could do, I think you get something more consistent uh, than Devontae Parker. This is an interesting case for me. A lot of people are on the trade Devontae Parker train. I'm not all in on that only because I think you're going to get less than the value he provides. I, I mean, the, the my field. guess is it, it'd be a fourth or fifth round pick. No, I understand, but we're paying him essentially nothing for a receiver of his talent. He's the 27th highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. His cap hit is $8.7 million this year. That's nothing for a talented receiver. I understand that he's rarely on the field and that when he is, he's not often healthy. But we know that there's a chance, a small chance, but a chance that, because he's done it once, that he puts up a healthy and great season. And to me, I think I'd rather have the odds of that than a fifth-round pick. In my opinion, I don't think the Dolphins are going to get anything higher than that given his age and injury history despite the fact that his contract is manageable. So in my opinion, I'll take the flyer on a possible great few games where he takes over a couple of games, then the fifth round pick, given the fact that this cap hit is so low. That being said, I do understand the frustration uh, from a lot of fans. But to me, if I'm the Dolphins front office, I'm saying, yeah, I mean, third, sure, fine. I mean, you can get a lot of excellent players, often even starters uh, who, who play day one in that third round. So sure. But if it's like fifth or sixth round pick, I'll say, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll run the the gamble. See if he can. Yeah, I don't want to make it seem like I was I was like advocating for. It. I mean, sure. answering the question if someone gives a fifth rounder, yeah, I'm probably going to take it. But uh, to your point, I mean, he's not on the field, right? And 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 there's probably somebody more consistent that you can go and get, right? And there's you know, especially with Miami's second round pick, there are some pretty decent receivers that might be available. Uh, or even with the first round pick, depending on how the offensive line run goes, there, there could be some decent receivers available at that point. And listen, if you want to make a splash in free agency, there are some decent ones that you could go and get as a free agent too that will give you a more consistent player. 
And again, I'm not saying in terms of what he brings when on the field. I mean, just him being on the field consistency. Sure. And I, I get that. And you might want to say, okay, well, if we get a couple of young receivers in the draft, maybe Parker's then also hindering their development. There's, you know, thoughts of that too. But um, in my opinion, I'd say give him another season at this at this low cost. That's right on, on, on that particular question. Let's go now to uh, Carlo Ochoa, who we appreciate, by the way. You keep asking us lots of questions. Definitely keep sending them in, guys. Uh, we'd love you. to engage with you here. Uh, another question from Carlo. How do you think McDaniel and the new offensive coordinator are going to design plays, and do you see us being a run-heavy team next season? Nick, your thoughts on that? Uh, yes, to the run heavy team. Um, I think that's, I mean, that's a sta staple of the Shanahan tree offense, uh, run heavy, good offensive line play. Uh, the West coast style of offense is usually, uh, pretty quick, you know, quick slants, quick crossing rounds, try and get some open guys as quickly as possible. Um, which I think is perfect given to a skill set. So, uh, I, my vision is a lot of running, a lot of play action that develops into either some deeper crossing routes or some quick, quick darts that Tua can hit that may, might not be uh, rooted in the play action scheme. Uh, but that's what I'm seeing. I think you're going to see a lot of what you saw in San Francisco, which is run, play action, quick, quick slant hits, which I think, again, is perfect for Tua. I think that's where – that's perfect for him. And then take that occasional shot when you can. McDaniel said as much. He's talked yeah. about that this is going to be a run-heavy team, that that's how he sees you gain a competitive advantage in the NFL. So if you could control the clock, control the game that way zone scheme it seems like he's talked about yeah. several times is what he's going to implement he's talked about the value of running backs the value of great offensive line play it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be that kind of offense that san francisco kind of offense quick rhythm throws yep. lots of play action i'd love to see and would be surprised if we don't see a lot of bootlegs also something to uh is in his that's sort of in his wheelhouse he's got a lot of strengths in that way where he's got that mobility um enough mobility where he can do the bootleg and still be sort of a threat if no one's finding the quarterback so I think we're going to see a lot of those kinds of concepts incorporated into this Dolphins offense. All right. Now I know we're a little bit short on time, so we're going to jump into everyone's favorite segment, the wild card question of the day. If you submitted your question, we didn't get to, don't worry. We will get a lot more content coming for you guys. So keep those questions coming in and we'll answer the ones that you've already sent as well. Nick, your wild question, wild card question of the day. What is your favorite TV show that you are watching right now? Top TV show that you've watched recently that you think every single viewer needs to go out and jump on Netflix right now. Or any other streaming service for that matter. You into the whole euphoria thing? I haven't gotten into it yet. No, I haven't gotten into that yet. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know if this is a great question for me because I've been just playing catch up recently. Don't hate uh, the question. Just answer uh, it. Don't hate the question. Well, so, so, I mean, like, I, I just, it's, n so I'll tell you what I watched recently. And I'm, I know that you of all people are probably going to like be angry at me about this. Um, but things I watched recently, again, I'm playing catch up. Finally got to WandaVision, which was incredible. I know it's oh, been like four years. Finally wow, got to it. You are behind. So, very much so. Um, okay. So finally got to that, which great show. Very highly recommended. You know, all Loki, again, great show. Really, really recommended. That's kind of where I'm in. I'm playing, I'm playing Walking Dead. Also, I'm playing Walking Dead. I'm playing Catch Up. 
uh, which also includes The Walking Dead. If you are someone that started watching that show and then took a break like I did, get back into it now because it got it got good again and it's going to end this year. So it's worth it to watch it. Okay. So I, I, I got into the walking dead craze right when it started in the beginning. And then I really fell off. I, I think I watched like the first season and a half and that was it. So oh, Justin, there's something so that more. I could, I could possibly get back into. I yeah. definitely respect the Marvel shows that you threw in there. I think those are great choices. I had mixed feelings on WandaVision, but uh, we can, we can talk more about that off, off air. Loki, totally agree. Phenomenal show. If you're yeah. into Marvel shows, definitely highly recommend you jump on that. The one all throughout there, which if you have not seen it, um, I'd be surprised because I think the whole world's seen it. But just in case you haven't, Ted Lasso is is an Next absolute gem. You haven't seen it yet? I have not. It's, it's, I'm okay. playing catch up. That's, that's one of the next ones on my list. Your catch up list. It is a gem of a, of a show. Jason Jason Sinegas is a gem of a person on this show. It's just so phenomenal all the way around casting writing it's it's incredible uh no i don't know if there's a single episode i didn't love so i'm gonna highly recommend that and then one of my oldest favorite shows to watch if anyone has seen it white collar and throw that in there as well okay all right throwing in some white collar all right also a phenomenal show i believe that one's on hulu ted lasso on apple tv plus those are our tv recs our wildcard question of the day and now we'll wrap up, guys. Thank you so much for watching, for listening. We stream live onto Twitter, onto YouTube. So make sure you subscribe. Leave us some comments on YouTube. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at HireJustin at OSO6446 so you can know when we are going live. We're also found audio only on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, everywhere you get your podcasts. Please leave a rating, leave a review. We definitely would love to hear your feedback and really appreciate it. Thank you very much again for joining us and we will see you all next time. Thanks everybody.